0: Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church.
1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10:10. 10, 10. And we're doing a study in the book of James in this series called Reflections on Wisdom, and of all the urgent needs for wisdom, the need for wisdom as it's applied to money is one of the most desperate. A pop culture seems to feel that Powerball is America's game and the wise path towards wealth. Yet ancient wisdom challenges this with a wholly unique view. So what can the Bible teach us about being wise with our wealth? Pastor Sean is teaching out of James chapter 5 where he talks about the four ways you can use wisdom to redeem wealth. In this message called Wisdom and Wealth, it's time for Real Life Radio.
2: Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. And one of the ways it does that is lets us see money differently. Secondly, let wisdom lead how you spend money. I want us to let wisdom lead how we spend money. We all spend money. And how you spend your money will make all the difference. Okay, And I want to challenge you with one underlying principle. I'm assuming you're here today because you're interested in what the gospel says, what the word says, and being a follower of Jesus. For every person who is a follower of the Lord, this principle is the beginning. I believe it's the beginning for everyone. But we, as followers of Jesus, should be people who grab this principle. And the simple principles, when you start spending money... Put God first. Put God first. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the firstfruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. I had a guy afterwards say they're raising chickens. and wanted me to know where I wanted the chickens brought here for the church that he was going to give as an offering. I'm like, we'll take them, bring them home. I love chickens out here pecking. Every once in a while you go, where'd that one go? We got hungry. (laughs) This is talking about resources. He's saying, honor the Lord first, and and the first fruits. Put him first. And there's this biblical principle called the tithe. And again, I don't have time to go into this in a full treatment. Go back to that series, and, and you'll get a fuller treatment of the tithe. Let me just say, it is a biblical principle. It was before the law, before Abraham brought the law. In the New Testament, they use the phrase, give first day of the week according to your income. It was all in the New Testament context. It always was through the fellowship, through the leadership and the ministry that you were a part of to fund that outreach and to fund God's work through that ministry to the local community and beyond. That's what the tithe was. Tithe means a tenth. The principle of tithe says a tenth of all that I earn belongs to God. It is holy and it is sacred. It belongs to God. Now understand, remember, it's all God's, right? I'm God's. As a follower of Christ, I'm his. So everything I've got is his. it was here before me, it would be here after me. It's all his. The tithe is this principle that says that first tenth I give to the Lord and his work. And then I live off the 90%. And understand something about the tithe. Tithe is one of the most powerful principles you will ever experience. It's one of the most life-transforming principles because, and it's the same reason the Bible talks so much about money. Because it is a way to train our heart. It is a way that God teaches us to train our heart. Every time we get paid, I get to say, God, I worship you, not money. God, it's all yours. I put you first. Every single time I get paid. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It's a training. There is this idea of training. And what's so beautiful about it, understand something. It's math, right? It's math. God promises in the Word. God promises. Malachi chapter 3. It promises. To bless us more on 90%, to prosper us more on 90% than we could do on 100%. And some of you, like me, are pretty good at math and saying, okay, see, that's a problem because 100% is always more than 90%. And I know this. God created the laws of the universe, and and 100% is more than 90%. Stop and think about it. He talks about things like, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings so much you can't receive it. He talks about the devourer who's devouring your crops. I will stop that from happening. He uses those illustrations to say to us, God begins to do things that only he can do. And his desire is to prosper us more on 90% than we could with 100. Now, on one side, you'd stop and look at that and go, that's impossible. How could the creator of all things, the almighty, the wisest, the, the uplifted one, how could he do better than me? You know, how could God with 90% outperform me with 10? I mean, with, with, with 100. You know, when you stop and think about it that way, it's like, okay. But it's all, all going to come down to what you believe. Do you believe enough? And the beauty of, of it being finances and so personal and so tangible, the beauty of it being math, is that when I follow the Lord in obedience to the tithe, I put God first. My faith begins to soar because he always is faithful. I've challenged, I can tell you how many people I've challenged. And if you're not tithing, I challenge you. Try it for 90 days. See what God does. See what God does. But what's cool is because it's math, because I can then go and look, I don't know how it happened. It's impossible on paper, but we did better on 90% than we had done before on 100%. We are prospering more on 90 than we were on 100. How is that possible? It's God. But what's cool is then... Because that's fairly simple, it's math, it's money, it's understandable. But then when I'm dealing with my wife in an issue, which relationships aren't so neat and clean, they're not math, right? And God starts to say, here's what I want you to do. But God, if I do that, then this, 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 and this. God says, trust me. Remember what I did with the money thing? I can do something like that here. I'm dealing with my kids on something, and this is, you know, they're not simple. They're people. It can get very messy and complex. And God says, you know what? I want you to do this. But God, if I do that, then remember what I did with your resources. Remember what I taught you. He's training our heart. Every time we get paid, we have an opportunity to have our heart trained to trust him, not ourselves. Trust him, not the system. Put God first. An awesome, powerful principle. A second way that wisdom will teach us to spend our money differently is have a budget. Have a budget. Have a plan. In other words, tell your money where to go, okay? Tell your money where it's going to go instead of wondering where your money went. And I I can't tell you how many people, when we talk about the subject, they actually wonder, I don't know where it goes. I don't know where it goes. Okay, I want to see your bank statements and your checkbook, and I'll tell you. Okay? We'll tell you where it goes. Money problems are basically simple, okay? They're not easy, I'm not saying easy, but they are very simple, right? If I sat down and talked with you and we talked about your money issues, one of two things is going to be a thing. Raise your income or lower your expenses. Right? Think about your money thing. Raise your income or lower your expenses. And I'm going to help you right now. It gets even easier than that. Most of us don't have the ability to instantly raise our income. So really, we just have to worry about lowering our expenses. Good news. You're looking at me like, I don't like this talk. (laughs) This is a terrible sermon. But it's true. And I, I will tell you, this is a very significant biblical principle. The thing that allows us to live within our means. See, it's the principle of living within your means. And sadly, in our culture, it is a principle that a lot of people don't understand as a principle. You can't spend more than you make without having bad things happen. Okay? Principle of living within our means. The secret is a biblical idea called contentment. Contentment. So beautiful. I grew up in a tradition where we went through a phase where there were teachers who would tell everybody they're supposed to be rich. You're a king's kid. God wants to bless you with cattle on a thousand hills, all this stuff. And their their battle line message, which, by the way, was a very popular message, was that God wants every person to be materially wealthy. And that's just not true, biblically. I know, what about the king's kids in in India? Because if it's a principle, it'll work there as well as it works here. Then other people, I heard them teach that God wants every person to be poor. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to be poor or you can't be godly. Well, we've read enough scripture today to know that's not true. So what is the biblical message? It is simply contentment. Be content. Be at peace. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your life free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you understand what a faith perspective contentment is? That's powerful. You understand the power of contentment? The minute you say, I have plenty, I have enough, you're a rich person. (laughs) You just became rich. Because the thing that makes me poor or not rich is that I want more than what I have. The minute I say, God, I'm going to live within what you've provided, and I'm going to be content with what I have, I just became a rich person. I want to challenge us. Stop depending on debt. This is the budget buster. This is what kills us. Stop depending on debt. Get out of debt. Early on when we started this ministry, we had next to nothing. God met our needs in unbelievable ways, but there were some things that we wanted and we wanted to do that we went ahead and put on credit. I have to tell you, I made some mistakes in that. And it's taken a lot of years to undo that and to get away from that. But I'm telling you, once you do, it is worth it. It is worth it, and it's powerful. The budget principle is real simple, and, you know, there's more that can be taught. I'm going to give you a resource at the end that can help. But one that we like to encourage people in is 10-10-80. 10-10-80. First 10% goes to God. That's biblical. That is bringing your finances under the canopy of God's blessing. You have now empowered God's Spirit and God's power into your finances when you practice the tithe. I want to encourage you. If you're not, I challenge you to do that.
1: And we want to take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in this series called Reflections on Wisdom from the book of James as found on the sermons page at reallife.org. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean.
2: Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to give you abundant life, real life. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church.
1: And back to the message, Wisdom and Wealth, based on the book of James. This is Real Life Radio.
2: Ten, the second ten is savings. Savings. And the 80 is what you live off of. Live off of 80%. I told my kids, I told my kids when they were just starting out, I mean, they're both in their 20s, but even earlier than this in their teens, I said, if you will practice 10, 10, 80, if, and if you will not go into debt, by, by the time you're in your mid-30s, man, you'll, you will feel like rich people compared to people all around you. Because what you'll have done is you'll have learned to discipline yourself to live Within your means, you'll have disciplined yourself to save, and you'll be free. You'll be free. You won't be in bondage. At first, you'll be like, you know, you'll feel like a slow starter. Oh, everybody else has something better than me. I can't do it. They all get to do this. They all get to do that. I know. That's how it works. Because you're not racking up the debt. But watch what happens. What it would be like to... Be in your 40s and never have to worry about retirement or never have to worry about anything because you started early and you learned to, to live within your means. And some of you are looking at me right now and just saying, there's no way. 80% of my income, there's no way. See, you are a crazy preacher. I knew it. I'm just telling you, 80% of your income, do the math right now. Got the number? There's lots of people in America living off of that. There's people living off of less. There's people all I'm not even talking about all over the world. Like, you don't know what I make. I do know it's possible. And I'm not saying it's easy. I am not saying it's going to be easy. Remember I said it's fairly simple. It is not easy. In fact, it's really hard in a world where where advertising and culture has taught us to consume, consume, consume. It's very difficult. But it is possible. And what I want to say to you is that first 10%, when you begin to engage God, He will empower you and do things on your behalf that you will not believe. To help you live within your means so have a budget, have a plan. A third way is to make room for generosity. Make room for generosity. Proverbs 11.24 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Again, you're like, wait a minute, that math doesn't work. Because if I give away, I understand subtraction. Now I have less, right? Well, that's true. If you believe the only economy, the only thing that's real is this material world. But if you actually believe that God can move on our behalf, I have to tell you something. That God is looking for people to bless with resources and even wealth. People who will not see that as, okay, it's all mine. It's the difference between saying I have a kind of this entitlement mentality that's all mine to consume. That's where riches become a problem for us. It becomes, it becomes something that becomes damaging but people who will say, you know what? I'm going to have a stewardship mindset instead of a consumer mindset. I'm going to steward my resources. God is looking for people who will see themselves as vehicles or funnels of blessing where he wants to give resources and then he, he can trust us with those resources knowing that we will use that resource for purpose giving, being generous. Generosity is the the illustration of the tight fist versus the open hand. Yeah, not only can nothing come out of a tight fist, God can't put anything in a tight fist, but an open hand. He wants us to be generous. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. Let wisdom lead how you spend money. Third, let wisdom determine how you save money. Let wisdom determine how you save money. Ecclesiastes 5.13 says, I've seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. She's hoarding, building, hoarding, and you're like, well, they got plenty. Why are, the, why are things not great in every other area of their life? Because something's out of balance, and it's a heart problem. First Timothy 6.17-19, Paul writes, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant in order to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. That's good news right there, right? God is not stingy. He's not wanting to deprive you. He's wanting to provide for you, and he wants to give you joy in that. But then he says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Listen, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of a life that is truly life few tips about spending. Uh, number one, save and invest with a purpose. Save and invest with a purpose. Not just so you can keep it all, but with a purpose. You know, we talk about savings as a freedom fund, and I think that's a good label. I like that, because I think freedom is something God wants us to have. I think that is one of God's financial purposes for us. Freedom. But I like to add, freedom and obedience fund. An obedience fund. Because now... When I begin to have some resources and God says, I want you to do this, I want you to I want you to help with this, I want you to go here, I want you to move to this job. You all of a sudden can't you don't have to keep telling God, I can't, God, because I can't afford it. That would sound great, God, I'd love to do that, but I can't afford it. Begin to save and invest with a purpose. Save and invest for the future. Save and invest for the future. We should save for our retirement. We shouldn't presume that we'll always be able to carry on as we have been. That's just foolish. We know better than that. So save and invest for the future. Plan to take care of your needs. But I I challenge us as followers of Christ to hang on to those savings loosely. If we start putting our hope, we say all our security, that can become something very ugly and broken. If you want an illustration of that, just check out Gollum and his precious, okay? That's the way some people are with their 401k, my precious. Yeah. Number three, save and invest so you can be generous. Save and invest so you can be generous. This is the cool part. This is where it gets fun. Do you know those times when something moves in your heart and you hear, you hear about something that's going on, you go, man, I'd love to help that. A neighbor who's going through something, you go, man, if I had money, I would help them. Man, if I had resources, I would get... I would. I would give to that. I would do that. This is how you do that. Oh, that thing, that project the church is doing, it's awesome. I'd love to be able to give to that and maybe even go and help build that thing or whatever the ministry is. But I can't. I can't afford it. Here's the deal. I can't tell you how many people who uh, say things like, oh, if I were rich, then I would do this. Pastor, pray for me that I win the lottery, you know, especially this big one. Pray for me, I win the lottery, because then I'll be so generous with it. Let me just give you a principle. Um, you winning the lottery will not change who you are. You will be no different with those resources than you are with these resources. Because it's still you. The best way to begin practicing, to prepare, to be generous with more, is to be generous with what you have right now. We all have 100%. We all just get, have 100% of what we have. And so if you're not generous with this amount, when it's smaller, you think it's going to be easier when you got more? Oh, at first it'll seem like that. But again, remember, who's rich? He's got more than me. If you won the lottery after, after a while and got used to it, started spending, 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 all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not rich anymore. I was rich for a while. I'm not rich. It's just the way the heart works. So save to be able to be generous and, and be able to move with what God's heart says. That's the way to do it. And by the way, you're practicing principles that will lead to good things as you go along. The fourth reason for saving and way to save, and this is interesting save for eternity. Save for eternity. Uh, Paul gave us a principle here that Jesus actually mentioned in Matthew 6. Remember what Jesus said? Do not lay up for yourself treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy, but lay up treasure in heaven. The idea is um, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. So Timothy said. Or Paul said to Timothy, in this way, they'll lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that it may take hold of life that is truly life. There is a way to transform your money into something eternal. I've shared before, it's like monopoly money. Okay? You know that when the game is over, it goes in the box, right? Okay? A way to transform monopoly money into something real is to let your wife win. Okay? <laughs> Let your wife win, gentlemen. You've just converted Monopoly money into something good. You know what I mean. Save with and invest with a purpose. Don't let your savings become a, a, an idol, but yet you must save so that you have freedom to do what God's asked. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this. Let wisdom keep you from serving money. Okay. Let wisdom keep you from serving money. And this is a huge issue. Jesus said, Matthew six nineteen through 21, and I'll skip down to 24. He says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Skip down to 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one, love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Can't do it. And what we're talking about serving, that's when you live for something. Okay, if your primary purpose, your primary focus is to make money, you are in danger of being one who's trying to serve money, and it says you can't serve God. You can't serve God. I want to challenge us: Don't organize your life around money. Okay, we got to work. That's biblical. It's, it's right. It's honorable. We should earn our bread with our own hands. We should care for our families. All of that, right, biblical, and honorable. But we should do it all under the bigger idea of serving Father. And that will change how we do it. You serve God. You earn and use money. But you serve God. Since so many people, I mean, many of us were raised by, by a generation of, of dads who kind of th- had decided, oh, my main purpose is to make money. That's what I do. I am the money maker. That's my main service to my family. And by the way, it was a good thing to financially care for their families. But we needed a whole lot more from them than just to be money makers. Don't let your life be wasted in service of money. That's where the curse that James was talking about comes from. Okay. Wisdom is what transforms money from a curse to a blessing. I just want to say, as I conclude, if, if you are here and you know, you know, you got some money perspective, some money issues, some struggles, some challenges. Maybe you're in trouble financially. Maybe it's always a struggle. Maybe you're always beaten up over money. I want to challenge you this morning. Get help. Get help. Remember the first week we talked about where do I get wisdom? The Word of God. I want to challenge you. Begin to order your finances around the Word of God. It is wisdom, and it will yield good fruit. We've talked about seeking wise counsel. Find people that you know that you think, man, they exhibit wisdom when it comes to money. And the wisdom we've talked about here this morning, I'm not talking about just rich people. I'm not talking about rich people. I'm talking about people who you know have done well with resources. They have plenty, they're free, they're generous. Their money has not wounded them in other areas of their life. Find people who you think have wisdom regarding money and let them help guide and mentor you. It's a powerful thing. Bring it out in the open. Get help. If you just say, "Oh, I'm going to we're going to do this and we'll, you know, yeah, we'll do better next month." kind of doesn't work that way. But when you bring it out in the open, you talk with someone, you get some help, it's amazing what can happen. And the last thing, and this is a very practical thing, I just want to encourage you. Best resource I, I know how to offer you, okay, as far as nuts and bolts, budgeting, saving, kind of getting the finance together is Financial Peace University. Dave Ramsey and his organization puts it out. It's a class we do here regularly. In fact, there's one starting towards the end of February. You can take your connection card right now and say, hey, yep, I want help. Financial Peace University. And the idea is we have seen people retire thousands of dollars of debt through financial peace. They get excited, they work together, they keep each other accountable. See, it's never so bad when you're in the same boat with some people and you're working together, rowing together to accomplish an objective. That's one of the beautiful gifts of community. So I encourage you, Financial Peace University is an incredible opportunity and we offer it right here. You can go online and and sign up for it at reallife.org, or you can fill out your card, your connection card, or put it in the buckets on your way out, and someone will contact you and get you signed up. Don't go through this another year and another year and think, well, it'll get better, it'll get better. No, it doesn't. We need to get wisdom. So I challenge you to do that. Let this be the year that you look back on in one day and say, man, 2016 was awesome because we really got a handle on this financial thing because we got God's wisdom and we walked in it.
1: Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio as next week we'll continue this series on wisdom based on the book of James, which is available right now on demand when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road right behind Otama Park with service times on Saturday nights at 5 and Sundays at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more
0: Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.